On today's show, Amon Thompson absolutely crushes his workout with the Houston Rockets and is looking more and more like the pick that they will make at number four in this year's NBA draft. But how do they balance Amon Thompson potentially with adding a veteran point guard, which is clearly something this team wants to do this offseason? Also, is Cam Whitmore still in play for the fourth overall pick for your Houston Rockets? We're going to break it all down for you coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green, Alperon Shingun, and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two. One. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, Nidifi Stoney, and a credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. And joining us now is your weekly co-host, none other than the Podfather himself, Rockets Wire editor and host of the Logger Line podcast, Ben Dubose, who you can track down on Twitter at Ben Dubose. And Ben, we've got a lot to talk about. The NBA draft is right around the corner, and a lot of signs are pointing towards Amon Thompson being the pick for the Houston Rockets. Uh, he had an incredibly encouraging workout in Houston last week. Uh, Rockets Brass is frankly blown away with how good he is, uh, his potential to be a high-level playmaker, a high-level defensive piece, uh, and they were so impressed. They said he's the best athlete anybody's ever seen. Um, Mm -hmm. That, to me, really stands out when you've got Guys who have been, you know, in and around the NBA for 30, 40 plus years, who have been, you know, scouts and talent evaluators, being able to confidently say that he is that level of a top like 1% athlete or whatever is really encouraging. And those are some of the reasons as to why, despite the issues with the shot, he is still an incredibly tantalizing draft prospect. Yeah, absolutely. First things first, congratulations on the scoop. I'm proud of you, man. That was a really nice get. <laughs> appreciate it. Appreciate it. And I think it calmed the fears of a lot of people who, in the absence of new information, this time of year, were always craving new intel, especially on draft week. And so the reports that the Rockets really liked Amon were largely a few weeks old. We'd heard that for a while. And then there had been not much of anything. We know he came in last week for a workout, although I've heard that the Thompson twins, specifically their dad, who's running things on their end, has kept things very close to the vest. So it's not like there's a lot of leaks The Rockets are one of the teams that honestly leaks the least of any team in the league when it comes to their pre-draft process. The Rockets will never tell you who they're working out. Once in a while, you'll get it from a player or his agent, but that's in contrast to teams like Portland, who not only do they tell you, they will put out video and photos and, you know, again, to each their own as far as organizational philosophy, but the the Rockets keep it close to the vest in terms of the the pre-draft process. The Thompson Twins do as well, or at least their dad believes in that. And so I think combining that, there just hasn't been a lot of information. And so what limited tidbits we did get last week, you heard some noise about the Rockets potentially trading up 
Now, or at least exploring what it would cost. Now, would it actually be for Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, or would it be to get that pick and then perhaps exchange that to New Orleans for Zion Williamson? I don't know. But the reality is the reports are out there from Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports, most prominently, that the Rockets have explored it. We know Cam Whitmore from Villanova came in this weekend. And so one way that you could theoretically try to tie all of that together is say, hey, maybe the Rockets aren't as hot on Amon Thompson anymore. Maybe the workout didn't go that well. And so we're all just so thirsty for information that it's easy to just try and tie two and two together and assume that there's a correlation. And that's especially the case in social media where everyone wants the fame for being an insider. And so you can gain some credibility, throw a dart at the wall. If you miss, nobody's really going to remember. And if you make it, then all of a sudden you're going to be the insider. So there's a lot of supposition that goes on that gets masked as reporting. And in this case, again, it was nothing more than a guess. In reality, I've heard largely the same thing that you have. The workout went very well. The Rockets are big believers in Amon Thompson's talent for a reason. And I think the rest of it is largely just due diligence. Look, I know we fixate on the probabilities and it's easy as fans to get lost in, okay, who are the Rockets going to get? And then doing that Photoshop with that player in a Rockets jersey and trying to picture them on the court. But in reality, for guys like Rafael Stone, Eli Whitus, and the entire front office, these are guys getting paid six, seven figures to do this for their livelihood. They can't just focus on the probability, which is that Amon Thompson will be there at four and he is their preference, in my opinion. They have to be ready for contingency scenarios, just like a year ago when no one expected Paolo Bencaro to go number one to Orlando until he did. And then Jabari Smith Jr. was unexpectedly on the board. So even if you don't see a big delta between Amon Thompson and Scoot Henderson, which I don't think they do, then it still makes sense to at least know or have some understanding of what the cost might be to move up to two, just in case someone that you really like, a win-now veteran, comes available. We know that this is an offseason in which the Rockets are trying to move to another phase of their rebuild. It makes sense to at least have that background knowledge and prepare for that scenario, even if it's an outlier. Similarly, look, you bring in Cam Whitmore. What if Amon Thompson goes to Portland at number three? What if he had a similarly great workout there and all of a sudden you have to consider other options? Or, of course, it makes sense to try and get all the intel you can about Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller as well. Jake Fisher also reported that the Rockets trying to bring Scoot Henderson to Houston for a workout, although that has not been successful so far to my knowledge. The point is there's a lot of just contingency planning that goes on in this process and people assume there's more to it. No, the reality is I think Amon Thompson was and is the most likely scenario. And some of the things that people tried to, you know, make a mountain out of a molehill and some of these other tidbits, it's just Raphael Stone doing what he should do, which is preparing for contingencies just in case things don't go the way they expect leading up to pick number four on Thursday night. Yeah, absolutely. Right. At the end of the day, you know, the Rockets can have all their plans. They could try to have all their ducks in a row. They've got to account for 29 other teams and what and what any one of those teams might do. They might throw a wrench into their plans. They might jump ahead. You could have a random team come out of nowhere and swoop in and trade up to pick number two or pick number three. You could have some intel come out where maybe some other prospect, maybe Cam Whitmore absolutely knocked out of the park with hit with his workout. And then that changes their internal calculus of, well, hey, like. Maybe we really like him. Uh, I, we do want to talk about Cam Whitmore and and the possibilities there because while while it feels like things are leaning towards Amon Thompson at this point, I still think there's a slight possibility there about Cam Whitmore. We're going to talk about him a little bit more later on. But with Amon, Ben, I, I really do, I think it comes down to so many different factors when you look at 
Again, the athleticism is off the charts. The ability to be a high-level playmaker, high-level defensive piece. You look at him and the idea of pairing him with a Jalen Green in the backcourt. He matches the direction the NBA is headed, right? He's a 6'7", yep. versatile guard who can run the show but isn't you know, the traditional smaller guard in the backcourt. You'd have a lot of size, athleticism with those two guys. It makes a lot of sense as to why the Rockets are so internally high on him. And... You pair that with the fact that they went out and got Ben Sullivan and they're bringing him in as part of Ime Odoka's new coaching staff, a shooting guru to help him potentially develop and grow that jump shot. You get Mm -hmm. that shot to a place where it's even remotely respectable and he is the clear-cut second-best player in this draft easily. It's just that's a pretty big leap that he's going to have to take with the shot. Yeah, and we should point out that in regards to Amon's talent, look, this is not just the Rockets saying this internally. Jonathan Gavoni, who's done this for a couple of years or a couple of decades, excuse me, with Draft Express, now with ESPN, mentioned on ESPN earlier today that he believes Amon has the highest ceiling in the entire draft outside of Victor Wembanyama. Now, whether he hits that ceiling is an open question, but it's certainly a key variable that he has that type of level. And we know the Rockets, they've talked about not just wanting to be a good team, One reason they bottomed out is because they want high ceiling players, the ability to actually be a championship team in a few years. Is is Amon Thompson's ceiling higher than President Obama's? I'm asking for a friend. (laughs) Good question. (laughs) I mean, yeah, he's he's to me that that's the clear cut thing with Amon is he's a he's a bit of a he's a riskier pick than Scoot Henderson at this point. But if Scoot Henderson is out of reach, then you still go with the biggest swing possible. But the one thing that I will say. I think it's very easy to fixate on the lack of a perimeter jump shot and look into the scenarios of, well, what if he doesn't develop from three and then people see a higher bust rate? Honestly, with a guy of that athleticism and length, ability to cover so many different positions, and there's no red flags medically, so it's not like the athleticism isn't going to translate based on you know a chronic back or knee issue that you have to worry about. We've seen prospects in recent years, even if the jump shot doesn't come along, look at Markel Fultz, who's, you know, and I'm not saying that I think that's all Amon Thompson's going to be, but I'm talking about something of a floor scenario where even Ben Sullivan can't fix the jump shot. Markel Fultz is still a very valuable NBA player. Look at Ben Simmons prior to the back issues and everything that happened with him mentally from 2021 onward. Ben Simmons was not the best player in a championship team. But he was still a very, very good piece. And so I think that's what sort of gets lost in this discussion. Yes, it would help a ton if Amon Thompson can develop at least a capable three-point shot to make defenders respect him from behind the three-point arc. But even if he doesn't, the fact that he's such a good cutter, the fact that he's so long, so athletic, is willing to defend, can guard and switch all across the court. There's a very high floor for those guys as well, even if the three-point shot doesn't come along. Look at pre-injury Ben Simmons. Look at Markel Fultz. There are examples of this where even if the big question marks with the shooting don't pan out, as long as that player is healthy at that level of athlete, then they should at least be solid. And so I think that sometimes gets lost. There is a fixation on the jump shot. I understand why. But if he is really that level of asset or that level of athlete, excuse me, it's tough for me to see him being a complete bust. 
Coming up, we're going to get into how would Amon Thompson look on this Rockets team? How would you balance the development of Amon Thompson with the desire to also potentially still bring in a veteran point guard to help run the show if you need to go that route still if you get Amon Thompson in this year's NBA draft? We're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Look, it's so easy to get caught up in what everybody else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. You can find more balance with BetterHelp. That's betterhelp.com slash Locked on NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Locked on NBA. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, Ben, you were highlighting their some of the, the, the strengths in Amon's game, right, outside of the shooting. And I do think that, that's one of the reasons he's going to have, you know, a, a, again, assuming a lot of those translate, which right now, you know, he project him as a high level playmaker, projecting to be a, a very versatile, impactful defender using his size, speed, athleticism, all that. Um, but I do wonder how the Rockets would approach this next season specifically, right? Because we know that they want to take a step forward. They want to be a better team than they were last year. That doesn't mean that they have like a bar set for Ime Odoka of like play in or you're fired or, or whatever, but they want to see the steps towards not being basically a laughing stock, right? The bar is pretty low. Um, but that said, how do you balance if you draft Amon Thompson? Do you just give him the reins? Because to me, that is probably the best way to go for a guard who wants to be, who you project to be a high-level playmaker. You give him the ball, and you let him go through the trials and tribulations of running an NBA offense. And there's going to be some growing pains with that, right? We've seen it for the better part of the last two years with Kevin Porter Jr. and the attempt to let him run the show and give him the ball and let him kind of sink or swim. And there have been games where he looks incredible, and there have been games where he looks really, really bad. And that's probably going to be more or less the same probably even worse, honestly, because he's a younger player uh, with Amon Thompson if you follow that route. But at the same time, you have the option then of maybe you bring in the veteran guard and then you kind of buoy the rookie with a guy who can help run the offense in a guy like, I don't know, a Fred Van Vliet, if you will. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things to consider with Amon. First off, unlike Scoot Henderson, because of the height, he is going to be a bit more viable off the ball. And he is going to provide more value defensively in terms of the ways you can use him. So, while it might be difficult to pair a Fred Van Fleet with a Scoot Henderson, then I think if we're talking about Amon Thompson, even if long-term you view him as a potential point guard in waiting, you can sort of slowly build him up. He does give you more options because he has the height to, not saying you you know pencil him in as a shooting guard or a small forward. Honestly, I think the Rockets look at a lot of these labels as sort of antiquated anyway, but you can potentially, I think, have a bit easier of a time in pairing him with, some other ball-dominant players early in his career and then gradually giving him more on-ball responsibilities and let that playmaking gene take off the more he gets used to the NBA speed and making those reads. And hopefully, you know, the playmaking is shown at, at lower levels translates the way it did with, you know, the comps I threw out there. Even if his jump shot isn't there yet, you know, the way we've seen guys like Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons, players of at least somewhat of a similar archetype to Amin. With that said, one thing that I will note 
And I've reported this on my podcast at Loggerline last week. I have been told pretty strongly that this will not be like Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. in regards to the rookie from the 2023 first round, assuming they keep this pick automatically getting 30 minutes a game in year one just because. They did it the last two years because, honestly, what else did the Rockets have? Those were tanking seasons. We all know it, whether the organization acknowledged it or not. Next season, for reasons that have been discussed ad nauseum, the Rockets are trying to win. So there is a world where at least immediately, whoever they draft at four, be it Amon, Cam Whitmore, maybe Scoot or Brandon Falls, there is a world where that guy is only playing 15 to 18 minutes if they come out of training camp. A good parallel. I was told that after training camp last year, the Rockets knew Jabari Smith Jr. was not ready. But they simply said, look, given the direction and what this season is about, we're going to throw him out there anyway and hope that he just learns on the fly. Next year, I don't think they would have, I don't think they would view it through quite the same lens. So while they are open to playing him more, again, I think if there's anything close to a tie, they will err on the side of an asset as premium as the number four overall pick in a pretty strong draft. If that guy isn't ready, there is a world where they just simply don't play that much year one. And so it's pretty easy to pair with a Fred Van Fleet or any other lead guard they acquire via free, uh, free agency or a trade this offseason. Second, where I think it really comes into play, as long as the player you sign or trade for has at least neutral trade value, to me, this is the key, then if and when Amon Thompson is fully ready to take the reins, not just be a rotation player, developing guy at 20 minutes per game, but actually be like a 30 plus minutes per game starting point guard, if he proves ready earlier than you expect, maybe even by the midpoint of next season, then as long as you adhere to good value on the players that you sign, then theoretically you should be able to flip them to another team, if not directly in the cap space, well, for perhaps contracts that are expiring. As long as the Rockets don't do a drastic overpay, and I've been told with Fred Van Vliet, there's absolutely some interest. It just comes down to years. I don't think they want to give him a four-year deal for reasons we've discussed in the past, but if you can get him for two to three years, he's still a very good player. Wins above replacement last year. He was top 15 in the league. Not saying that's a perfect stat, but the value of a guy like Fred goes far and beyond just traditional numbers and shooting efficiency. There's also defense. There's also leadership. There's so many things that go on. And so I think with Aubin, you don't have to worry too much as long as you sign players to a responsible deal. And I'll give you an example from a couple of years ago. So they signed Daniel Tice. This is a much smaller example, but they signed Daniel Tice immediately after drafting all per inch and and they weren't sure when they drafted Shingun if he was 100% going to be ready to play NBA rotation minutes in year one. It turns out that he was. And even though Tice wasn't a fit because of that, you had Shingun and Christian Wood, because the valuation on Daniel Tice at that time, the MLE, a little under $9 million a season, was roughly in line with his market value around the league, the Rockets were able to offload him at the deadline to Boston, and it's basically no harm, no foul, and give the reins not the starting range yet, that took until they traded Christian Wood, but give some of the reins to Alper and Shingun. And I think as long as you adhere to a similar value system this offseason, as long as it's a drastic overpay, again, this question can easily resolve itself. If Amon proves ready earlier than you think, then okay, as long as the the guy you bring in, Fred Van Fleet, or anyone else you sign or trade for, as long as it's a reasonable contract, then okay, we can talk about it closer to the trade deadline. Do you move that guy to fully clear the decks for Amon? As long as you stick to the valuation, it should be okay. And to, to piggyback off your first point there, yeah, I mean, my understanding is that the 
expectations change for not just for the draft pick that they're bringing in, but for everybody on this roster moving forward, sure. where like you said, right, Jalen Jabari, they just got carte blanche. Like take, you're going to get your minutes regardless if you're playing bad or whatever. And very rarely did we see those guys punished for, you know, repeated miscues defensively or, you know, just bad offensive nights or bad shooting or whatever. Moving forward. I think the expectation is very clearly going to be, and this is why it kind of ties into the, expectation for them adding multiple names in free agency, right? They want to bring in two to three to four guys to flesh out this roster because if you have different veterans at all the different spots on the floor who can compete for those minutes, if you've got a vet who is capable of playing high-level basketball, somebody who isn't still on a developmental track, somebody who is who who they are as an NBA player and can give you impactful winning minutes, then you're going to be on the top of your game because you could lose your spot in the rotation. Or if you're having a bad night because you're not busting your ass the way you're supposed to, there's a vet behind you ready to check in that the coach can actually go to because they want to win next season, right? They want to take those steps forward. So I fully agree with that. And I do think there is, when you look at a situation like the Indiana Pacers this past season with Benedict Matherin, I do think there is a situation where bringing a rookie along a bit more slowly does have merit. And especially with Amon Thompson, right, you could kind of conceivably do the whole stagger dynamic where if you do go get a lead guard like a Fred Van Vliet to run the show moving forward, you can stagger that guard with Amon Thompson to where, and I think you brought up this point originally too on the show talking about, uh, but with utilizing James Harden as the example, um, but staggering those two guards so that, you know, you still get 15 to 20 minutes a night to run the show by themselves. In this case, Amon running the show off the bench where he gets those reps, but then he can also potentially still get some reps maybe as more of an off-ball presence to really kind of round out his game, at least for the rookie season. Yeah, and I think that it makes even more sense with Amon Thompson because he is a bit more raw. The jump from mm-hmm. the overtime elite to the NBA, I know he's 20, but in terms of just the overall nature of his game and the competition level, it's going to be a big jump. He is slightly more of a project than Scoot Henderson, even considering the athletic gifts just in terms of how quickly he's going to translate and what some of the questions are. So yeah, I brought up that argument in the context of Scoot Henderson and James Harden. I think it's even more applicable if we're talking about an Amon Thompson, be it James Harden or Fred Van Vliet, and probably even more with Fred Van Vliet since he's not as ball dominant as James is. So I do think there's a world in which you can sort of, you know, give him 15 minutes per game to run the show himself, make him your backup point guard, so to speak. And if he's worthy of more than that, then yeah, let him explore off the ball, see what he can do as a cutter and using his athletic gifts in other ways and just slowly bring him up that way. And then if his reads are progressing to a point where you want to give him even more on the ball, then as long as the contract is fair, then you know you can reevaluate the situation as you get closer to the trade deadline and perhaps um, fully turn over the keys at that time. How are you feeling about Amon Thompson with the Rockets' fourth overall pick? Let us know in the YouTube comments. Shout out to the everydayers who are checking out the show. Uh, Coming up, we're going to get into Cam Whitmore. And is he still a viable option for the Rockets with pick number four? So many signs pointing towards Amon Thompson, but is Cam Whitmore still in play for Houston? We're going to talk about that coming up in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Ibotta. We're always throwing money at something, right? Whether it's kids' school supplies, a new house project, the list goes on and on. It's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. You can earn cash back on every shopping trip you make. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Just link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that simple. Ibotta gives you real cash back, not points. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash 
cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or even gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta. That includes Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy. It goes on and on. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, we'll shift gears here and focus in on Cam Whitmore for a moment because, Ben, there's been something that's been going on that's been kind of irking me a little bit. or Something that really grinds my gears, if you will. And it's that Cam Whitmore's been, like, advertised as, like, the Harden pick for what feels like a long time Hmm. where – You know, so many different, you know, draft heads and, you know, talking heads, whatever will say, oh, well, the Rockets should go Cam Whitmore with number four because he's the one that makes sense for James Harden. And one, I feel like that is a huge disservice to Cam Whitmore, who is a very interesting prospect and has, you know, an incredibly high ceiling in his own right as a player. And again, am I... I still think Amon Thompson, higher ceiling, right? Different set of skills, different type of player, different archetype, all the different things. But Cam is still It's also not checking in with... It's also not checking in with people in Houston if you think that they yeah. are prioritizing James Harden to that extent. I'm sorry, you're not talking to the right people. Exactly. I'll be one on that. Exactly. Yes. So there's so there's th- those points to consider. I don't know. It's it's just kind of bothered me from that from that side of things because I remember early in the pre-draft process looking at some of the top guys. I was really excited about Cam Whitmore, and even on a recent show when we had Raphael Barlow from Locked On NBA Big Board, our our resident Locked On draft expert. Uh, he even pointed out that he might be interested in, in seeing Cam Whitmore. He said he was going to go against the grain, against conventional wisdom, and he said, and he made Cam Whitmore as his pick at number four for the Rockets, assuming the big three in Wimby and Scoot and Miller are all off the board, picks one through three. And while I was a little shocked, I, I think there's an argument there for Cam Whitmore, right? Because he fills, he still fills a position of need for the Rockets. The only, yeah. the the biggest argument to me between the two guys comes down to. Houston still doesn't have that engine, right? They still don't have the guy to give the ball to and run the offense. And as good as Cam Whitmore has a chance to be at the NBA level, that is not who he is as a player, right? That is who Amon Thompson is. Even if the shot doesn't translate, like we talked about earlier on in the show, he is still going to be a high-level facilitator and projects to be a high-level defender. And that's a guy who probably still has a spot as probably still a starter anywhere in the league, assuming those skills translate to a high enough degree. Whereas Cam Whitmore Mm -hmm. is just going to be, you know, his low end outcome is, you know, slasher defense, you know, some explosiveness on offense cutter. The shot is actually, yeah, the floor space, the the shot is deceptively good, right? People want to point to like the blanket numbers, but his catch and shoot numbers were actually in like, I believe like the 84th percentile, I want to say. So there's a lot to like about Cam Whitmore. And I know that his workout went, okay in Houston. I don't know the specifics on his workout. I'm going off of other people's reporting here. Uh, I haven't heard anything bad about Cam Whitmore though. So yeah. So I think there's a kernel of truth in all of those original James Harden, Cam Whitmore. I don't know if I want to call them reports or just supposition, but I think at least in terms of the root analysis of it, look, Cam Whitmore is more plug and play. And the same applies to Brandon Miller of Alabama. They can fit in different constructs. Where it went off the rails is in tying it specifically to James Harden, because I can promise you 
the Rockets are not weighting a 34-year-old James anywhere near that heavily. And as we've discussed in recent weeks, I don't think either of us expect the Rockets to sign James at all, even though me personally, I would still be open to that. At this point, I think it's unlikely to happen. The Rockets just are not prioritizing James specifically to that level for a number of reasons. But underneath it all, look, it is easier to put someone like Cam Whitmore or Brandon Miller or perhaps even Asar Thompson, but he doesn't have quite the jump shot. It is easier to fit them as switchable wings with length and guard a lot of different positions and shoot at least to some competency. You can fit them in a lot of different constructs because them reaching their high-end outcome, they can potentially do that without being ball dominant, as opposed to, say, Amon Thompson, to truly hit his peak level, he needs to be the engine. Now, I'm okay with that in Houston because as you laid out, Jackson, the Rockets don't have an engine right now. So I think long-term, even if you do sign a veteran floor general this offseason, it's not like the guy you signed this offseason is likely to be the starting point guard three or four years from now when we hope the Rockets are actually contending. You're going to need to develop that internally. And so because that need is there, I do think the Rockets should be open to Amon Thompson. But the one pro to a Cam Whitmore or Brandon Miller is that long-term, because they don't need the ball, then it gives you a lot of different options. What if Jalen Green turns out to be a bit more ball dominant than you think in terms of making the most out of his long-term profile? What if you get a point guard somewhere else? What if Ty Ty Washington internally develops into the guy? And you can adding Amon Thompson to your point about, you know, Cam Whitmore, Brandon Miller being the more versatile plug and play type guys. Amon Thompson gives you another variable, just like, Alper and Shingun, where Shingun is not very plug and play. There is a very there Shingun can yeah. play one position on the floor. He's got limitations on the defensive side. He's got currently the shooting limitations offensively. He's incredibly good at what he can do. Top whatever percentile you want to put on. And he's got a very, very high ceiling. But he's a guy that has to hit that high ceiling to make it worth it. And you add another yeah. variable like an Amon Thompson who is in the same boat where there's not a lot of flexibility in how you play Amon Thompson. Same with Shingun. Yeah. And one of the big pros to Jabari Smith Jr. from a year ago, and one reason why I think both of us are very high on his long-term fit with the Rockets, is that he fits in so many different roster constructs. Is he a small ball five? Is he a four? Because he can succeed without the ball and guard multiple positions, he's very plug-and-play. Now, certainly the jump shot does need to develop, but that's obvious. I mean, we've talked about that ad nauseum for months. The reality is that it's very easy to fit Jabari into a lot of different scenarios where someone like Shingun is a bit more challenging because there's only certain ways in which you can really unlock all of his potential. And so with Cam Whitmore or Brandon Miller or maybe even Asar Thompson, but you're having to squint a bit more with Asar because of the questions with the jump shot, the pro is that you do have a bit more flexibility with building out your roster in future years. And what if you get, you know, your engine in some other way, a future draft pick, a free agency signing, signing a trade, maybe Jalen, <laughs> maybe Jalen turns into that guy. Maybe Ty Ty Washington shows you more than you're currently expecting. And in those constructs, then there is more roster optionality with a guy like Cam or Brandon. And that's not insignificant. Again, where I think people take it too far is by tying it to James Harden specifically. No, I don't think the Rockets are thinking along those lines with a 34-year-old James at all. But with regards to just overall team-building philosophy, yeah, the arguments to those guys and this, this concept that they are more sort of moldable 
then I do think there's something to that. You can fit them in a lot of different situations. Whereas Amon, there's certain ways that maybe not immediately, but when we're talking three, four, five years out, there's only certain ways that you can really play if you're going to fully unlock his long-term potential. With that said, I think the reason why the Rockets are ultimately going to go Amon, assuming they stay at pick four, is because with their current roster construct, they just don't have that engine. And even if they do get it in free agency this summer with $60 million in cap space, I don't think it's going to be the type of piece that you feel say you feel good about saying, look, for five, 10 years, this is our point guard. No, if they get someone this summer, it's more likely to be a stopgap. And so the fact is with this roster, with this rebuild, you still need that piece. And so that's why I think the Rockets are probably going to go with Amon. Even if you have to play a certain way to maximize that skill set, again, they can play that way because right now the roster is set up to where they don't have that guy. With all that said, if there's something that I'm not aware of coming down the pike with regards to free agency, trades, future optionality, then yeah, there is at least a respectable argument you can make for Cam Whitmore or Brandon Miller and that just like Jabari Smith Jr. a year ago, you have so many more options as you build out your puzzle in the coming years. Absolutely. And we both know this, you know, when when you look just in a vacuum at Amon Thompson, Cam Whitmore and their their, their respective potential ceilings, I, I mean, I think it's just you you want to take the biggest swing at a at a potential star product and and setting aside the engine argument, setting aside the fit arguments, whatever, I think just in a vacuum comparing the two players, I think Amon still has the higher potential star upside between those two guys. And so you would, I think even if the Rockets didn't need a point guard, I think if you're strictly taking best player available, I think you'd probably still go Amon Thompson over Cam Whitmore with that number four pick. We've known this for a while that, uh, you know, there are certain teams around the league that have had Amon Thompson as high as number two on their draft boards. We know that Cam Whitmore has been ranked as high as three on people's draft boards. So it's not as clear cut as people, as, as the general consensus would have you believe that it's guaranteed going to be Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller. Those two guys are the two names happening right after Wimby. It's not, you know, even though we might have those guys in in our own tier and maybe Amon Thompson is one tier below, um, you know, it, it's, it's really going to be anyone's guess as to what actually transpires on draft night. Assuming the big three that everybody thinks are going to be off the board come pick four, I'm right there with you. I think the Rockets are going to select Amon Thompson, and we are only a couple days away from officially finding out what it will be. Ben, you know the drill. Let everybody know where to track you down at. Yep, Ben Dubose on Twitter, the Logger Line on Twitter, the Rockets Wire on Twitter, and Rockets Wire do it, RocketsWire.usatoday.com for all of your daily Houston Rockets news coverage. And that's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to subscribe, like, comment, all that good stuff. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.